0: So if I hear licking, it's just the dog. Sure thing, Jerry.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is a podcast about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under the gaming table, talking board games. And with me, I have someone who has a lot of style and panache, Jerry Hawthorne. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Well, how do you do? I am really... (laughs) It's a good intro. (laughs) sorry. No, it's great. I'm really excited to... Find out more about you because you and I have seen each other, we've met each other, we've hung out a little bit, we've never really gotten in depth with each other's knowledge of our past and our presence. I want to talk about what projects you're working on, what projects you're excited about, but I just want to talk about you, sir. I want to crush on you a little bit here. Everything I've ever heard about you always seems to be true, and all I've ever heard about you is really good things. Stand-up guy, super nice, super laid back, just... Totally chill and fun, and that seems you to a T. I want to get into the juice. You ready for this episode, Jerry?
1: Yes, I'm ready to be naked and bare my soul to you.
0: <laughs> Good. Speaking of bare, you've got a game coming up really soon that you can pre-order, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. Uh, the game is called Stuff Fables, and it is a purely cooperative, family-oriented adventure game where each player plays the role of a little stuffed animal who comes to life at night to protect... Can
0: you be a stuffed bear? Just so my transition was fair when I said, speaking of bear, are there stuffed bears in it?
1: Yes, there is one bear. Perfect. Theodora Stuffins is her name. You can be that bear.
0: (laughs) That's so good. All right, we're going to get into that later, though. Cool. So my apologies for cutting you off, because before people care about your game, they want to care about you. So let's go back... Let's hear your digital resume. Make me care about Jerry Hawthorne's work.
1: Okay, so in the board game industry, I guess um, I've been around for a long time. I kind of broke into the industry, even though I've been a gamer my whole life. I've sort of broke into the industry around 2005 when I got involved in HeroScape, which was a Hasbro game. And I was fortunate enough to have met the, the head designer, Craig Van Ness. Over the internet, he saw my enthusiasm as I was purchasing several copies of uh, HeroScape for my nephews. And he asked me to send him an email letting him know how my nephews enjoyed the game. And I guess he really liked my emails that I sent him because he...
0: What? That's incredibly personable. So how did he ask you to send him an email? How did this transpire?
1: Okay, so I've always been into board games. Back when my nephews were all young and everything, everybody knew that I was the uncle that always gave board games as gifts on any gift-giving occasion.
0: Guilty as well. That's what I do.
1: Yeah. I would search far and wide for interesting different board games that I thought that they might like. And back in 2004, I was surfing the internet. It was like in February, and I was looking at the New York City Toy Fair, pictures from the New York City Toy Fair. And I saw pictures of Heroescape. And there was some information on there, a little blurb of information on there. It was a prototype and I noticed that some of the figures that they used on there were from the old Milton Bradley game Hero Quest. So I immediately became interested in it. And so uh, I love it. Doing searches on the internet every once in a while and suddenly one day a website popped up and they had a little community forum and kind of find out the guy that running the website was doing it for his friend who was Craig Van Ness. He was just friends with Craig Van Ness. So he made a little fan website and I was one of the first people to join their little community forum. This is back before social media or anything like that. At that time, there was only like five members on their little uh, forum. It was just me, the guy that owned the website, Rob Davio, Craig Van Ness, and then another who I'm still friends with. His name is Chris. So I was able to like communicate directly with Rob Davio and Craig Van Ness. I was really enthusiastic about the game. And Craig offered me his email address, said that I could email him and let him know how my nephews enjoyed the game once they finally got it. And I did that. And next thing you know, he invited me to become a Hasbro play tester. And from then I worked my way up into a little bit of content development as the game grew in popularity. If I played Hero Quest,
0: I'm sorry, my apologies. If I played HeroScape, which has the plastic terrain tiles that build up classic classic game. I'm sure if anyone's listening to this, they've probably have heard of HeroScape. What part of that would you say that's Jerry's influence? This
1: is Jerry. The HeroScape had its releases and they came in waves. When it was all said and done, they had, I guess, like 13 waves or something like that. I worked on all the waves from wave two on. Nice. And so it was a several-year project. Just about anything after wave one, I was involved with pretty heavily. And then there was a bunch of unreleased stuff that I was also involved in. Damn it. Yeah, I know.
0: It was so good. Oh, I know. Was there any one character in particular that was your baby?
1: There was actually a figure named after me, Sir Hawthorne. What? Yeah. Ah. Seriously.
0: Very cool. Now, you're working for Hasbro. Was this remotely or did they bring you in to Maryland to go ahead and do Hasbro
1: work? Well, no, I just did all this freelance from my home. So, this is a side gig. Yeah, that's right.
0: So, what's your main career?
1: Well, I was a licensed hairstylist for so many years here locally.
0: Hence why so I said the man with all the style in the intro. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a really great career, and I did it for 26 years. I stopped doing hair um, this past January as I went into full-time board game design.
0: And for whom did you go full-time board design? I'm with Plathead Hat Games. Of course you are, because what was your main game for which people know you most nowadays? Uh,
1: probably Mice and Mystics, I imagine.
0: Yeah, that was what I was
1: fishing for. You were correct, sir.
0: <laughs> so let's continue the story. So there was Hasbro HeroScape. Yeah, HeroScape fizzles out. What about you in your life in the board game industry? How did we get to Stuff Fables? How do we get to where we are today?
1: Okay, I'll connect those dots for you. See, back when I was uh, with Hasbro, I was also like the top admin at this fan website. There was a spunky young kid that was on our forums and he was really enthusiastic and he had some graphic design skills and just real top notch charisma and enthusiasm and we used to collaborate on making fan made material for HeroScape. Hasbro was looking to expand their playtest team, so I recommended him to the team. This is Colby Dow, by the way. I recommended him to the team and they immediately recognized his talents and started giving him work and he shot right up the So we were both working for Hasbro doing freelance stuff. And Colby was doing a lot more of it than I was. And we both got to work on Battleship Galaxies. We got to brought in as uh, co-designers on that. That was when they did fly us out to the East Coast for that. And we had to sit in on some meetings and stuff. But anyways, when Colby spun off and started Plat Hat Games, I was finishing up on all my contracts with uh, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. And so I just went with Colby and got his company started. Then he heard that I was working on a little game called Mice and Mystics, and he told me he wanted to publish it and not to show it to anybody else until I show it to him first. And back in 2010, I uh, showed him my prototype. I had three of the chapters written so far. and He was sold. uh, He signed it, and the rest is history.
0: You guys met at Hasbro, but you said you helped him with Plat Hat Games. Were you back all the way with Summoner Wars?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, Summoner Wars debuted at BGG Con in November 2009. I was there demoing it for people.
0: Wow. Just because you guys were old chums and you were giving them the moral support and feedback. Is your name in the credits for Summoner Wars then as far as playtesting and developing?
1: I, I don't know. I have never looked at them. <laughs> I never looked to see
0: if I'm in there. I was just wondering if you were one of Colby's best kept secrets at the time and Everyone's like, whoa, Colby, you're doing all this independent work incredibly on your own.
1: Oh, no. Colby did like 90% of that all on his own. With the exception of the art, it was all Colby's baby. I tested a bunch of it and stuck my two cents in here and there, but I wasn't a huge part of Summoner Wars. More of a, just a moral support kind of thing.
0: So he signed Mice and Mystics. That did pretty well. What was the biggest moment for Mice and Mystics? At what point did you think, oh my goodness, this game's kind of becoming a big deal.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess it was probably, you know, the game almost didn't get made. It, we had a couple what? of roadblocks that popped up and the game almost didn't get made. And, you know, small companies, I mean, it's tough, you know, small little startup companies from a 20-year-old kid like Colby, they're tough to get up and running. My and Mystics, it took a lot of capital to get that game published. And Colby had to raise that capital.
0: And this is before Kickstarter, yeah?
1: Oh, yeah, this before Kickstarter. And so he had to raise that capital. And that meant that he had to take sort of a financial leap of faith to get the game made. Well, there was times when that capital just wasn't available, I don't think. There was times where it didn't seem like it was going to get published at all. Fortunately, things just kind of lined up just right. And Colby greenlighted it. Thank goodness he did. Because the moment that you were asking about the question, like, you know, when did we kind of know that we had like a little bit of a hit on our hands is like, We basically sold out of the first print run of Mice and Mystics before the first print run was finished.
0: Whoa. And this is not Kickstarter orders because you guys didn't Kickstarter this. So this was just pre-orders on the website?
1: Yeah, this is just people pre-ordering it from us. And our pre-orders exceeded the amount that we had ordered up from the manufacturers. We had to immediately turn around and order a reprint. And then that sold out before that one was available. For the first couple of years of Mice and Mystics, we were in a constant state of trying to catch up with demand. So I think I kind of knew that there was something special going on there. That's it's such a good story. So at what point did Colby wise up and say,
0: hey, I want you to bring your talents to the plaid hat office
1: and work full time? He's been after me for a few years, but my career as a hair designer, I was fairly popular. and it's a, It was a really, really, really good career just hard to turn my back on that and go into the unknown world of board games where fluctuation in the cost of this or that in the market can change the whole entire industry. That was scary for me. But, you know, I'm at that age of my life where I want a new challenge and I want to have some risk and take on some different challenges and I need to grow in different areas. And so I decided to go ahead and do it. Yeah. You know, I have kids. I have kids. I have to show them where to apply their courage. How many kids do you have? I have two of uh, a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. Nice, teenagers. Yeah. Were
0: they resentful at the move into Dallas at all? Because that's where Platt Hat is. So were they like, oh man, we don't want to go to Dallas? Or did they acquiesce pretty well?
1: Well, no, I've always lived here. So, or at least since 1991.
0: My bad. Sorry. So this is all from Dallas. So it was just convenient when Colby moved his business down. Did he move his business to Dallas for you?
1: Oh, that's, he says that, but. That's just, that's lame. Cost of living is great here. Has a great accessible international airport. The talent pool here is really good. He wanted to grow his company and he couldn't find anybody in Ohio or who wanted to live in Ohio. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm from Ohio, sir, and I'm a talent base. I'm going to have to beat the hell out of Colby. No, I'm not taking this person. <laughs> you got hired for Plat Hat Games. Mice and Mystics was before you came on full time. What about after that?
1: Yeah, well, working for Colby full-time is like a dream come true because for the past few years, I've been double-doing, you know. I've been working and then freelancing, and my job had weird hours. I'd work till 9 o'clock at night during the week and had to work on Saturdays, and now I got my Saturdays off. I'm at home with my family in the evenings, and I get to work on games all day long.
0: Mice and Mystics' Tail Feathers takes place in the Mice and Mystic universe. Do I have heard that Tail Feathers is like X-Wing but in the Mice and Mystics universe? Is that totally off?
1: It's kind of like that. Yeah, It's a, I mean, it's a flight game. You are you got flying units, but it also has ground units. So it's a little bit different too.
0: And I know our mutual friend, Chad Hoveter was a sculptor for that. But you're straying away from the Mice and Mystics universe, from my understanding, for the latest game that's coming out when? When is this next game coming out?
1: Stuff Fables will be coming out in early December.
0: Now, let's talk about Stuff Fables, shall we? Absolutely. But first, I want to hear the elevator pitch. Okay. You get one minute maximum Okay. to pitch your game. Now, you don't have to explain the rules. It's the heart of the game. Think of it as a pitch to a producer for a movie. Okay. You don't want to spend the entire minute talking about all the individual scenes. You just tell the best aspects.
1: I've been doing this pitch for this game for all these conventions, so I guess I'm kind of used to it. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Elevator going up. Stuff Fables is a cooperative family adventure game where each player plays the role of a little stuffed animal who comes to life at night to protect their little girl from the monsters that come from under the bed. It's a storybook game. You actually play the game inside of this big giant 104 page storybook where every page is different. We can do things that other board games can't do because of the wide variety of environments that we can offer in this book. The book has got a story. You play Each time you sit down to play, you play one night in the life of this little girl where you would expect where her sleep might be upset by the different things that are going on in her life. And that's where the stuffed animals come in. You protect her sleep from the monsters that come from under the bed. And on the first night on the job, through a series of misadventures, I'm not going to spoil, you get sucked into the world where the monsters come from. It's ruled by a nightmare king and populated by lost and broken toys. Oh, man. And so you sort of straddle both worlds while you're trying to help them. <laughs> That's the end of my minute. No problem.
0: <laughs> Man, that sounds incredible. And I love the fact that it plays in a storybook. I just saw this being demoed at BGG Con the weekend before last, and there was always people there. And I can see why, because I see that every board is on one of the pages of the storybook that you're going through. So how did you come up with this? What was the impetus? What's the story behind the story that is Stuffed
1: Fables? Okay. Well, I'm always looking around for inspiration. And my wife, a couple of years ago, took the kids to see this movie called Inside Out. It's a Pixar movie. The one with all the emotions. Yeah. 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 So she she came back from the movie and she was like, oh my gosh, honey, you got to see this movie. You're going to want to make a game. And so I immediately went and saw the movie. And sure enough, I was like inspired to gamify the movie. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about how you could use game mechanics to represent different emotions. I noticed that the characters in the movie were all color-coded. You had, you know, the, the purple guy was fear, the green girl was disgust. And I thought, okay, so what if you had like different colored dice that represent these different emotions and then each player could play one of the emotions and then they would be good with their color dice and maybe not as good with the other colored dice or something like that. And I started playing around with these little game mechanics. And I got something that worked and it seemed to have merit to it. I really was digging my little system that I came up with. And I decided that I wanted to write my own story. I didn't want to you know, borrow a story from somebody else. I, I wanted to take my little dice system and then write a story where each player could play a, a different role and then they could all work together as a team. And I started to try to think of something that would be relatable to everybody of all ages. And I started thinking about how stuffed animals... Are sort of like they're sort of like surrogate parents for your kids. You 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 lay your kid down to sleep and you give them this little stuffed animal for them to cuddle, and you're really doing that so not only so that they can get a good night's sleep, but so you you can get a good night's sleep as well. And everybody has had a stuffed animal in their life, so everybody is is naturally aware of of how important they are to childhood. But they're also important to parents because, like I said, they give the parents a break. So. I started like crafting a story where there was this little group of stuffed animals because my daughter and son both had mountains of stuffed animals. But they also each had a little favorite one too. So I made this little story where there's a little group of stuffed animals. And when the girl goes to sleep at night, the stuffed animals wake up and it's kind of like their job. They're, They're clocking in for the day. And their whole job is to protect her sleep, make sure she gets a good night's sleep. And each of the little animals is color-coded to match the dice that you work with in the game. And each of them represents a little aspect of this girl's personality. The one that she snuggles with at night is called Theodora Stuffins, and that sort of represents the girl's, her ambitious self.
0: And Theodora Steffens is the bear?
1: Theodora Stuffins, yeah. And then there's Stitch, and he's the he's the old mentor, and he's the one that's been passed down. He actually belonged to her mom, and then maybe even her mom's mom, but he's been passed down Ooh. for several generations. He's handmade, and he's old and crotchety, and he has all the wisdom. And then, um, and then there's Flops, who's the sassy one. She represents the little girl's little sassy side.
0: Bunny, right?
1: Am I off? Bunny, yeah. She's a Flops. Yes. There's Lumpy the elephant.
0: My stuffed animal is uh, Mr. Floppy. <laughs> cool. See. See, you can totally relate. <laughs> I still have Mr. Floppy to this day. He was one of those beanbag bunnies before they had Beanie Babies, and he had a beanbag feet and beanbag arms and beanbag paws and these really big long ears. I love it. But keep on going. <laughs> I'm just geeking out. No, I'm totally enjoying cool, this so though, much because
1: see, you just you just showed how everybody has these memories. <laughs> There's Lumpy, who's a little stuffed elephant. He's the one that the little girl goes to whenever she has troubles, and she she like burdens him with all of her troubles and all of her sadness and stuff. He's a little sensitive because of that. And then there's Piggle, who's the lucky one. And then there is Lionel, who represents her ferociousness.
0: I love this so much. So this, of course, comes with minis to represent each of these characters.
1: Yes, yes. And what happens in the game is you're playing through a story. When you get to certain points in the story, it'll tell you to turn the page and you take your miniatures off and you turn the page to a new location. And you put your miniatures back on and you keep on playing and You basically are trying to accomplish whatever quest or goal that you're on. You're trying to accomplish it before the girl wakes up. You need to get back to the bedroom and snuggle up with her again before she wakes up in the morning so that she doesn't know you're there. There's these little capers and the game changes gameplay. Sometimes you'll turn to a page and it'll be a completely different game that you'll be using the same components, but playing the game differently and stuff.
0: So does that mean that some of the rules change throughout the different pages and stories? A little bit adaptive here, a little bit of adaptive there?
1: They just change a little bit. You know, you still are doing the same basic function on your turn. Your turn consists of reaching into this big bag full of dice and you pull out five little dice and the colors of the dice determine what you can do on your turn and you can share dice with your fellow players through encouragement. We call it encouragement in the game, but it's basically sharing dice with fellow players so that you can all maximize the dice that you draw and minimize oh, the man. impact of a bad draw. So cool. All that is listed on the page. When you have the book laying open, the left-hand side will show the map of the environment that you're on. It's really neat because it doesn't take up very much room on the table, but you get to explore a wide variety of locations without having this big, giant set of tiles and stuff.
0: It's all there for you. Bit, bam. And boom, it's there. What's the age range for this? What's the youngest you think people could play?
1: We have it listed for seven and up. And we've had some people in our playtest groups that had five and six year olds that were playing it and stuff. But even seven year olds probably wouldn't be able to sit down and play this game independently.
0: Of course not. That's why it's PG, parental guidance. You need that guidance part.
1: It's intended to be played with mixed age groups and mixed experience levels of gaming.
0: Jerry, who's your favorite? Which character chimes with you the most? I like Piggle. Piggle the luck?
1: Piggle's a lucky pig. Yeah. Her personality is just all positivity and enthusiastic and upbeat and positive. And she brings luck to the group. And I just think if I was like going to be part of some kind of group, I would want to be the one that brings positivity and good luck to a group of people. I think that'd be really cool. I think it's really cool that people can play characters like that.
0: You know which character I would be though, right? Who would you be? I would be the Flops. Heck yeah. I have Mr.
1: Floppy. Flops is a badass too. She's a badass.
0: (laughs) Regardless, because I had Mr. Floppy as a kid, I'm like, I'm getting the rabbit because I, for Mr. Floppy. You know, I thought I was original as a kid calling him Mr. Flappy, <laughs> but here you go. You have the character in the game. That's so cool. Hey, now I know you probably can't tell us any of this, but what kind of plot spoiler can you give us that wouldn't ruin it, but would just tantalize us to pre-order this thing more, especially for the holidays?
1: <laughs> I can tell you a little bit about the very first chapter of the game so you can kind of understand a little bit more too about what the themes are all based on. I'll give away basically as much as anybody who's demoed at any of our shows would know. But basically, when you sit down to play the game, you're going to play one night in this little girl's life. And you're going to follow her from age 3 to age 10. And you're going to play through these milestone nights in her life. The first night that you play the game to kind of teach you how to play while you're playing that first chapter, it starts off with the parents have taken down the crib and they've packed it away in the garage, and she is sleeping for the first night in her new big girl bed. So the parents are really nervous that she's not gonna be able to sleep through the night. They're worried that she's gonna wake up and she's not gonna have her crib there and she's gonna be scared. So when the stuffies wake up that night, they see that the crib is gone, and the old Mr. Stitch, who throughout the story always provides that knowledge and wisdom, so it makes it easier to tell a story.
0: I've been here before, this is what's happening.
1: That's right, today, Our job begins, and basically the crib is a magical thing. It's filled with all the love and anxiety of the parents. Those crib bars protect that child. But now with the crib gone, then the minions can come from underneath the bed, and they can start causing trouble, right? And so Stitch tells them all this. This is so good. So, so he cool. basically sends them out into the house to gather up some gear to help protect the bed. So they go into the study and they get rubber bands and pencil and they go to the kitchen and get a meat mallet and they're all geared up and ready to protect the kid from the monsters that are going to come from under the bed. And when they get back to the bedroom, the monsters are already there. They arrived early and they're already, you know, causing trouble. Ah! So you start off, you learn how to do the combat in the game by fighting this little pitch battle. At the end of the battle, you scare the minions off And as the last minion is leaving, it grabs the little girl's baby blanket and starts heading into the portal underneath the bed. Son of a... That's right. This is just too much for you guys to bear. So all the stuffed animals jump on their end of the blanket and they get in this little tug-of-war and then they end up losing and they get sucked into the little portal underneath the bed and now they find themselves in this other world where the minions come from and that's where the adventure really begins.
0: Wow. Jerry, this is (laughs) so fun. (laughs) I love this story. I want... I just want an entire podcast about spoilers. I just want this story to go on and on and on. Forget the game. I just want the story. That's so
1: cool. You know, you can pre-order Stuff Fables. so
0: Jerry, I want this thing. I want to pre-order it. What do we do? How do we get it? I'm totally your shell at this point. Just help me help you.
1: Yeah. Where do we go? Well, you can pre-order it from our website, platthatgames.com. I also know that all the online retailers out there now have it up for pre-order and stuff. It should be arriving in the first half of December. So it should be here before Christmas. It retails for fifty nine ninety five. It plays two to four players in roughly 90 minutes.
0: But Jerry, what if were fans of you? And we just want to know more about Jerry Hawthorne. Creator of such great story games.
1: Well, you can follow me on Twitter where my Twitter name is mice underscore guy. It's fitting. I usually tweet about my games and the games I'm playing and stuff on Twitter. Jerry,
0: thank you so much for your time. I apologize that we're out of time, but if you want to follow the podcast, you can do so on the tweets at playtkg. If you have any comments, questions, or even better, nave tonight submissions, send in your stories at podcast at tuesdaynightgames.com with a K.
1: <laughs>
0: and i'm alan gerding a-l-a-n-g-e-r ding you can follow me on the tweets and on the facebook as well but i think with that being said this episode is
1: finished yeah i sounded just like you yeah. <laughs>
0: This episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast is brought to you by Prongles. Looking for flavor? You've crunched to the right place. Here at Prongles, we have the stackable, snackable potato chip. Crunch. Once you pop, that's great. Woo! I'm Braden, the Prongles hog. Come and buy our chips. We have two irresistible flavors. We have salt and potato with real potatoes. Perfect. White soap. We also have onions and cream, yo! It's a match made in heaven. Take that tang and Malaysian onions and slather it in thick white cream. Yeah! Get yourself some prongles today and listen to the Tuesday night podcast. Brain out!